1: I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Christ,
2: welcome to Knife Talk! This is the podcast... <laughs> The podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, and everybody who wants to just listen to something while they're doing something. We're doing this all the time, and we're here for you. I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. We're with Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts, and Craig Lockwood
1: of Chop Knives. How are How are you all? We're good. I'm good. good. The hangover's gone, so I'm feeling much uh, better. There you go. Oh, good.
2: <laughs> last Last episode, uh, Mare- uh, Craig was quite hung over and
1: i guess everybody let you know about it huh quite quite and i stupidly uploaded a picture this week and there was a beer in the background the <laughs> amount of dms i got from people saying greg are you drinking again are you drinking again like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. a little one maybe a little one <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> hair the dog yeah it's, okay. a, real, it's a real thing
1: so it's been a busy week for me. It's been really, real fun, actually. So I talked in the past about recycled handles on knives. Finally got a few finished, and I put up a few pictures, and people were really, really liking them. Lots of really good feedback. Um, lots of people ask them if they could buy the material as well, but I was, I was just telling everybody, you can make it yourself. Go to Precious Plastics, and you can, it tells you how to make them. It's lovely. So, yeah, I've been really pleased with, with what's been happening with those, uh, with those handles, um, but also working on packaging specifically for those knives. So the whole point is the, the handle being recycled out of a, out of a okay. food waste. Um, so, for example, the two that I put up this week were yogurt pots and black meat trays. So the packaging is being made out of the same stuff. So for the yogurt pots, it's going to be recycled yogurt pots. And for the meat trays, it's going to be recycled meat trays.
3: By the way, for everybody, he's saying yogurt. Americans, at least. All the Americans. He's
1: saying yogurt. We Ah, say yogurt. Queens, English (laughs) Yogurt. Yogurt. (laughs) Sounded pretty close. um, Sounded pretty close. But it's... it's really cool. So the, um, the, the black meat tray, for example, they're going to actually be in a meat tray. They're going to be sealed over as if it's meat in the tray. And they've got the sticker, which looks exactly as if it would if it's meat. It looks really, really cool. So I'm going to put some pictures up this week so people can see that. That's a great looks idea. good. Great idea. Um, also, been talking about sort of systems and processes. So my wife is dropping her hours for her work um, to come and do some work with me. Um, And we've been talking about the possibility of getting somebody else involved as well. So it's just at this point, it's a case of going through processes and documenting everything. So if I weren't here, somebody else could do what I do. Or if my wife isn't there, somebody else could do what she does. yeah, and, yet, and it really got me thinking. So a lot of it was due to Jonathan from Doghouse Forge, who we had on a few episodes ago. He was telling us about you know his process and his his Monday morning meeting. So we've had our first Monday morning meeting. My wife and I just talking only about the business, um, and it's been it's been good actually just to get my head around what's going where. That's awesome. Um, but I also saw a TV show with this restaurant called uh, Mugaritz, which is in San Sebastian, and this this restaurant's incredible. It's it's always in the top ten restaurants of the world. It, they do amazing things. But this TV show sort of went behind the scenes of what happens in the kitchen and how focused they are on process and uh, timescales and stuff. And it just gave me lots of food for thought. So yeah, there's been a, a lot of thinking about how we're going to plan the week and that kind of thing. Hmm, and but- finally, I need to tell you about. I know this is the most boring thing ever. When somebody says, I had this dream, I need to tell you about it. Whenever somebody tells me that, my eyes just sort of glaze over and I'm gone. <laughs> but I, had this, I had this dream. And <laughs> it was myself, Jeff and Marek, the three of us. Oh. We were hosting a show which was live on Netflix. And basically it was Top Gear for food and it was incredible it was amazing so we'd have like these chefs on and maybe they had a new tv show or maybe they had a new book and you know we'd interview them they could pimp whatever they were trying to sell but they had to cook for us at the same time then we'd all sit and eat um, we were being sent off to these amazing restaurants all over the world and it was just like pure indulgence so you know like on top gear you, you sort of live vicariously through them nobody really lives that life we were doing that yeah. for, for food it was amazing oh shit that's a so good this, idea Why isn't anybody doing this show? Top Gear for food? It would be incredible. It would be. So I'm thinking. I'm having this dream. Yeah, it's all good. Then you know, the kick in the balls from one of the babies to wake me up. (laughs) you spoiled
0: the dream. You spoiled the dream. Reality sets
1: in. Soggy bran flakes. Uh, Yeah, but um, hell of a dream. Wow.
2: I mean, isn't that what? Isn't that what? Like uh, all these travel shows
1: do? They travel around, eat food. They do, but I mean, like, like the Bourdain stuff and all that. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, this was a live show every week. So, ah. like, Top Gear, you're back in the studio, and you know, you have these little films of what you've done through the week and stuff. It was amazing. And you think, like, Top Gear is like huge, all around the world. Why hasn't anybody done this format for food? Never saw it. I dreamt it up. I claim I the, say I, I I claimed the like copyright on it. that. I've just, just yeah. Uh, I
2: don't
3: watch TV. You better start pitching that. I
2: don't, I don't watch, watch TV. TV. I don't know from this. Sounds good. Let's do it. Um, I don't, Let's do i't'' know, I'm not Get really... on the phone, Netflix <laughs> what have you been doing jeff well i've been fighting i've been uh, realizing the uh i've been realizing the power and the uh ridiculousness of and the venomous and the viciousness and the uh amazingness of our listeners i uh so we're gonna talk about that at uh in the in the news we we seem to have a very uh supportive and voracious and vindictive uh listenership. <laughs> so we uh I uh I didn't realize that this is a, we weaponized our listeners. But other than that, I mean, you know, I did a little bit of work. Nobody gives a shit what I did. I did a little bit of work. I burned myself a little bit. I put soy milk in my coffee and uh, you know, got some shit <sighs> done. You know? On purpose? Yeah. Well what are you gonna do? You know, <clears throat> a little
3: bit of this, a little Actually, bit of that. I have you had the Trader Joe's soy milk creamer? It's pretty tasty. Ah,
2: uh, you know what? We don't go. It's, 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 I don't really go to tr- Trader Joe's that often, so no. Okay, but you know, that's fair. You they're very exciting. Why, who cares? <laughs> not matter. No one cares. do not matter. So, uh, Mareko, how are you?
3: I'm good. I uh, let's see. This last week, I just uh, I've been finishing up, or actually, I've been playing with my coffee finish again, and I've been doing some things a little different. And I've been getting some really great results. I'm, I'm working on ironing things out before I start talking about them too much. It's nothing; it's not too dramatic of a change, but just slight little changes have made a really big difference. I posted uh, my zebra pattern blade uh, the other day.
1: The contrast uh, on that yeah, is incredible. incredible.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I've I actually did it on another knife, i've actually figured out what to do with these damascus knives that i have laying around and it's to experiment on those instead of knives that i'm finishing up um which i have a tendency to do and is not the best idea um so anyways yeah and so hopefully i'll have some stuff put together soon and then what else oh man this week oh so i have this build i'm doing that has the customer requested that I use mammoth tooth and I'd never used it, but I had, we have friends, you know, we got Josh Scott, Josh Scott, who works with mammoth tooth all the time. My buddy, Ian Rogers works with mammoth tooth. And I was like, okay, those guys are working with it. I can lean on them a little bit and, um, and ask for some advice and thanks to their advice. Um, I was able to drill holes through the mammoth, and, and the concern about the mammoth is even though it's this stuff's been stabilized, it's still very crumbly and brittle, and mm-hmm. and so I just took my time with diamond kind of like diamond drill bits that are meant for like cutting glass and stuff like that, uh, as well as a diamond uh, edge uh, cutoff wheel. I use that to help split down the material, so I'm not using like the entire block, and and just to remove material um unnecessary material anyways it everything has gone so smoothly and one of the things that the customer wanted was a um kind of an inlay in the pommel of the handle and i had no idea how i was going to do that um because usually uh especially with like wood i i would just you know use a plug drill and drill like a whatever a half inch plug and that's pretty straightforward but with the mammoth that's a little bit precarious mm. but with the uh the diamond crusted like whatever the, the hole drill um it's kind of like a hole saw but it's it's just diamond there's no center drill and um and just took my time and I was able to get a nice uh what like inch inch long by half inch plug that I'll be able to use as the inlay at the pommel of my handle and nice. so it's just a matter of getting everything glued up and put together and uh so yeah Pretty who's,
1: okay. who's finding these mammoth tooths? Tooths. Tuts. I like the tusks. To- tooths. I like tooths. Tusks. <laughs> <I think laughs> who's tu- finding them?
2: I think
1: it's a they, are
2: they real is tough? <laughs> tooth. Is real mammoth tooth? Toth? What's a tooth? To- it's <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like a tooth and a tusk at the same time? To- a tooth? <laughs> Toth. Are they
1: real? Are they real mammoth sizes? Um,
3: they are. <laughs> They're ugly, ugly, ugly things. Uh, When it when they're just like natural looking, they look like some weird alien slug, Um, but people break them down. Oh, first they put them through a stabilization process, and then they and sometimes they add dye and and because of that, it takes and because it's bone, it takes a pretty nice eye polish. Mm. Stuff stinky though. It's just like working with any other kind of natural material, except for it's a little harder because it's you know. an animal's bone that's been sitting in the earth for thousands of years. Huh. Um, so... Where do they find them? Mm. I've seen... I've seen... Uh, I think it's in, like, Siberia or something like that, along, a, like, a lake coastline or river coast... Or, or like, the r- river's bank where they just... it. it these uh, mammoth are in the bed and, like, the mud there and the, all they're doing is, like, as the water slowly erodes, they... People who harvest these are actually intentionally eroding and digging away. And that's not necessarily the best thing because they're obviously introducing extra silt into the river and that plays, that messes with things. But, anyways, um, and you see these giant mammoth skeletons coming out of this the, the bank or out of the edge, out of these little like embankments or cliff faces, not cliff faces, but embankments. And um, giant tusks and skulls and the rest of the body and everything. And then those are, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know the paper trail for those exactly, but yeah, they the end old, up in the United States. The
2: old Siberian, and, the old Siberian, uh, the old Siberian whoopsie. Someone's, someone's <laughs> getting some.
1: someone's getting some, like, you know, could be doing a little fooling around.
4: Mm.
1: It doesn't yeah. sound like it's something that should be traded, you know, like, like ivory, for example. You know, it sounds that like it should be sort of protected in some way. Well,
2: but the, but you know that that's the, the thing now is they're using a lot of stuff that's found not they're not like
1: you know, it's oh yeah, much
2: more appropriate i mean yeah. you can't use elephant ivory i'm under the impression but like stuff that you find like apparently walrus ivory is very mm-hmm. usable yeah. if they find it. They scavenge for yeah, it. Yeah,
3: ancient stuff. Yeah, and, and you can find actually, uh, what do they call I think they call them relics, like from the from the Inuit and Aleut tribes in North America. They would use the, the tusks for all kinds of tools. And so knife makers, because of all these rules, they've actually been working to figure out how to incorporate those relics. So you can see that it is a relic in the handle of this knife. And, and that therefore it it has kind of like, um, that that's their paperwork to prove that it's antique, uh, you know, walrus ivory, because it's, it's really hard to tell the difference between antique walrus ivory and, and green stuff or, you know, not Mm -hmm. antique. And that's, that's also not kosher to be harvesting. So people have been going to this really old stuff, especially the mammoth tooth and, uh, these walrus relics. I,
2: I tell you what, yeah. it's it's interesting because I, two years ago we went to uh, the blade show and we went to one of these guys and we got some, uh, uh, we found some. The guy had this thirty six thousand, thirty six hundred BC bog oak, and I was with my business partner Tony and Tony's just like, how do they know? And the guy says, oh, we we carbon dated, and he gave us this Xerox yeah. piece of paper with fucking Sharpie all over it, and there's a little <laughs> bit of Russian on the top. There's, Very official. Yeah, it was like it was some horse shit, really. And he goes, Oh, here, look, see, here's the paperwork. And it was like a Xerox copy. There's a little bit of Russian on the top, and there's a little bit of worn out English, and there's some Sharpie in there. And, and Tony just looks at the guy's like, What, what the fuck is this? this is, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? You give me a piece of paper with some Sharpie on it, and that's like the uh, authentic. You know, this is authentic from, you know, 3600 BC. Come on, man. He's like, no, no, that's what they gave me. I'm like, on, oh, man, don't fall for the, you know, banana peel in the tailpipe. Some bullshit. Some <laughs> of this shit. I mean, they, those Siberians, I don't think it's
1: all, it can't all be mammoth teeth. Uh, well, there's somebody in the village, actually, from Siberia, somebody who lives here, and she's just gone back, and her husband was telling me it was a seven-day train ride from Paris. Seven-day train ride to Siberia. Can you imagine? Holy smokes!
2: I'm not Great. surprised. It, it's like four days from New York to Florida. It doesn't surprise me at all. These trains are the oh. worst. Oh. Did she? Did she bring you back any tuff? <laughs> tooth?
1: Tooth. She's still
2: there. She's still there. Yeah. Have her go uh. down the embankment and pull up some tooth. <laughs> That's amazing, I, I You know, I'd be terrified. I, I know that when I, I said on the last episode, I was walking the Blade Show uh, last year with Will Stelter. We went to a table, and this dude had like a pile of. Tooth, and you get a pile of tusks and tooth and all sorts of shit, and it looked awful. Yeah. I mean, it. I when you say it looks awful, I mean it looks like some rotten ass horse shit. I mean, it looks like mm. it looks some, like some 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 dried up <laughs> dried up squash and stuff like that. It looked, uh, you know, I'm amazed that people like it, but you know, God bless you.
3: Well, and once it's stabilized and stuff, it it has some very interesting um, activity, and it actually it matches the patterning that's in the Damascus blade of this knife really nicely. And so I, I, I'm getting ready to glue it up in the next couple days. But yeah, it's just it's the the advice from Josh Scott was that just, especially when it comes to shaping and grinding and cutting it, uh, to use sharp belts. Because uh, it's, I think it's easy to glaze over because it's so hard, and potentially overheat the material and either burn it or put too much heat in it, which is always a concern. Um, so use sharp belts, and then my buddy Ian he he advised that I use I use diamond wherever I can I can to cut cut the material, mm-hmm. whether it's drilling drilling holes or cutting it down. So yeah, hopefully fingers crossed, everybody. Thank you. Uh, it stays together as I start sculpting out the uh, Japanese cowboy handle that it's supposed to be. Should look really sweet. But nice. Right now I'm nervous. Right, well. Good to be
2: nervous. Yeah. It you have some blood pumping through your veins. That's important.
3: All right. This is our news portion. Boom, boom, boom. All right. So I'm just going to talk about some dates that are coming up uh, in August. Last weekend was the Kentucky Knife Club show. I hope that was fun for everybody. If anybody went to that, check it out. Uh, This weekend, uh, August 23rd through the 25th, is the Mid-America Hammer-In in Troy, Ohio. And then uh, the following weekend... From Thursday the twenty ninth to Saturday the thirty first is the gathering in Las Vegas, Nevada.
2: How is? Do you guys the, have any of them? No, I, I like the first one where you said if anyone the Kentucky Knife Show was last weekend. If anyone can check it out, it was last weekend.
3: No, so, I said if you had a good time,
2: check it out. Yeah.
1: That's a <laughs> joke a there goodbye. about being backwards in Fine. Kentucky, but I won't Fine.
2: do it. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. You oh. got listeners in Kentucky. <laughs> do you guys
3: have other news?
2: Well, yeah. It was a kind of a yeah, it was a here. very interesting uh interesting week. I um I got a th- we had a kerfuffle. We had know, we had a whole issue. We had a, not an issue, but we had a thing and uh it all started from uh i got a message from kasumi kev this whole this whole episode this whole segment is going to be K- kasumi kev's fault kasumi kev sent me a message of a guy who had uh it seemed like one what we were referred to as a scamming uh, instagram site mm, um, that guy that guy right and so kev sent me a picture and it was of a uh, florentine kitchen knife and it said you know uh, For sale, blah, 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 blah. And it was clearly one of these underscore unique, underscore Damascus, underscore bullshit, you know, things. So I didn't really think much of it. I was just like, ah, you know, so I went on it and I just wrote, you know, I just wrote to him. I'm like, this isn't your knife. You didn't make this knife. And I thought nothing of it. I left, but went back to it. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know, I'm report the guy, not make a big deal about it. And then all of a sudden I got a message that he had written back on the, on the post. He says, Yeah. I, I just reposted it from an article. It's no big deal. And then I was just like I got a little more irritated. I was just like, Well, you didn't make this and you're you know, Florentine Kitchen knives, who he had already blocked, you know, made this knife and you know, but bingo bango bango. And he says, and then he writes back immediately he's like, with with smiley emoji face as well. Some people wanna buy these knives and they're too expensive, so I make them instead. And I got like <laughs> I started getting crazy. And then by the time I had a chance to respond back to me, he'd blocked me. And then he had erased all the, he had erased everything. So I decided, oh, fuck this guy. So I went on to knife talk and I said, this guy is stealing people's content and selling it or whatever he's doing. And it was, uh, this guy got blown out of the water by our listeners. Our listeners saw it, went after him and, You know, like we did when, you know, Mareka, you had a guy too. So we, you know, we blocked him, they reported him, they said things, they cursed at him, they did all this stuff. The interesting thing about this one it's different from the rest of them, usually this guy, you know, these guys, they block you or whatever. This guy must have been like, it must have been his first day on the job or like his first week because, or an intern or something like that. Because he started to like respond to
1: people and like explaining what they're doing. It seemed to me as if he didn't think he was doing anything wrong whatsoever. That's right. Exactly. Strange. It,
2: exactly. Strange. So, we've talked about this in the past, saying, what are these guys, what's their goal, what's their belief, what's their goal? Mm. So, we started to get, you know, he started to have to deal with the listeners. Congratulations, guys. You, you know, you blew it, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, putting blood in the water. The sharks went crazy. And he <laughs> just started responding. And then all of a sudden, people were like, let's have some fun. They, they snuck in his DMs. I'm interested in this knife, interested in this knife. And then all of a sudden, someone sent me a message saying, hey, isn't this your knife? And I realized that he was selling one of my knives. So mm-hmm. then I went on to Jeff Fader, uh, my personal account, and I looked on it and I noticed that he started taking compliments. People started saying, hey, that's awesome. Great job. Keep it up. And then he started saying, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a great knife. Thanks, man. And, and I wrote to him like, why are you accepting compliments for the knife I made? This is my, this is, what are you doing? And then he blocked right. me again. Next thing you know, keep going. And then all of a sudden the DMs started coming from all of our listeners. Mm. He engaged and they were, and, go ahead. So during this time, he changed his name as well, hadn't he once? Well, he had to. Yeah. So, you know, and you guys saw, you know, we started posting to people, you know, he was explaining. So basically what he was explaining was he doesn't understand what's the problem. He felt like he was reposting the people's pictures, and then he was saying, I didn't make this knife, but I can make this knife for a lot less money, and I'm offering people an opportunity to have this knife at a cheaper cost, not realizing that there were, you know, somebody created this thing, somebody took the picture, somebody did all the work, somebody did all the
1: thing, and he was doing a lesser version. Mm. What do you think? Do you think that, do you think that was his plan that he, he could actually make the knife? Or do you think he's just a complete scammer? You well, take the money, run.
2: I'm under the impression I ended up getting a, a call from Andreas Kalani, and mm-hmm. he explained to me a few things. It got to the point where he was just like, I can't just text you, let's just talk. So he had said that he, I, I'm under the impression that it's not one dude in the desert with a fucking grinder. You know, these are like metal shops. And mm, what they're yes. doing is is they're doing, you know, large batches of cheap knives for this, that, and the other thing. And then they're starting to realize, hey, maybe we can sell one knife here, knife there, whatever. And then what they're doing is, is they're maybe one shop will have ten or fifteen or twenty different accounts. You got one guy fielding the orders, and then they're taking in whatever through Western Union or whatever, and then they're fulfilling the order. So what Andreas what Andreas did uh was he said he saw somebody doing one of his knives and he just decided let's fuck with this guy and he saw his knife. And he says, How can I get this knife? And he goes, I'll make this knife. And he goes, Will you send us money? And he says, I'm not sending you money until you make the knife. Hmm. So they started taking pictures of the knife that they made his knife. Wow. And I actually he sent me the video, which I'll post this week, of going through the whole thing, including the picture of a guy in sandals in the, you know, on a dirt floor holding their version of his knife. So then when they started sending him pictures of his knife, he started being critical. Say, wow, that's not really how it's supposed to be, or where's the fuller here, or whatever. And then they were like, oh, no, no, we... And then they fixed it, and then he says, by the way, this is my design. This is my knife. And this might be this issue, or another time he's done this before, he goes after these guys, he has them make the knife, and then he lets them know, you're stealing my shit. And what they'll say to him is... By the way, your design has made us a lot of money. Oof. So it's interesting because they don't, these, a lot of these guys don't see anything wrong. What they're saying is, is like, Hey, look, you know, this is, you know, a, a picture is, you know, you're, 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 this is a communal, this is a communal thing and we're just
1: making a cheaper version.
2: And what's the big deal?
1: Crazy, what Crazy. do you think? It's, it's, like, yeah. it's like when the internet first came out. People just thought it was like the wild, wild west. People were just ripping each other off non, you know, well, all the time.
2: Well, I mean, Mariko, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you've been a victim of this. I mean, we've all been a victim. A uh, victim is a strong word. I mean, these guys think it's a victimless crime.
3: Right. Well, and I think <clears throat> I think uh, the idea of intellectual property is is actually only. It's there aren't a lot of places that really respect or have share, I guess, our idea about intellectual property where, you know, we come up with a design and that's ours. And if you rip it off, you're an asshole and we can sue you or blah, 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 blah. And 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 so I think parts of the world that doesn't they don't fucking care. No, of course not. I mean, it, like in China, like straight up ripped off uh and nothing is. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they straight ripped off uh, Apple's technology and used it to develop, or in like oh. Korea? Well, anyways, the Samsung uh, Galaxy based off that same technology, and it's just I think the idea is that you know, cool design. Uh, it obviously is working now. I'm going to compete against you to make to to make money. But uh, these off guys of don't care. About, but they don't. These guys no, don't, care don't care about about
2: the. They don't. They also don't see. They don't see you guys as, desi- these are your things. These are just a faceless, nameless design that they're just going to make a different version of. Mm. They don't, yeah, I, I mean, there's no, they, one guy, Kyle Heath, was, was saying, what's the matter? And the guy said, I'm sad. And Kyle <laughs> said, why are you sad? Oh, this yeah. is great. Kyle. Kyle is the new shrink, the new therapist of Knife
3: Talk. He started the, <laughs> that guys, was a, the guy. That was a crack up.
2: That guy said, "I'm sad." He's why are you sad. He's like because that guy, that guy said, "I'm a fraud," and I'm and I'm not. I, I, I th- you guys think you designed everything, and you know people don't want to sp- pay sky high prices, and we're offering to make something for people who will not want to spend a lot of money, and our mm-hmm. labor costs are different. And who? Why do you can Why are you guys giving me such trouble?
1: One way to look at it is I think the people who are buying these knockoff knives are not your customer because the yeah. people who are buying from us are buying because they're buying from, from us exactly. or from any other maker. They're buying from the maker. But, you know, it's it's still not right, is it? You know, just seeing inferior versions of your work out there must be maddening. Well, it's,
2: it's annoying that you're doing the work, you're doing the pictures, you're doing all that thing. And then these guys are just re- – I mean this happens all the time. You know, every mm. different thing that people can – figure out and I'm not going to make any aspersions in regards to which country they came from. I mean, who knows? I actually had a message from a friend of mine in India who has a very good knowledge of these shops. And, you know, it's just like, a, you know, they're just trying to dip into their, their ideas of, Hey, maybe we can make a couple bucks, $150, you know, a $150 sale in a place like this probably goes a long way. Yeah. You know? So yeah. uh, the one thing that was fascinating was, was, you know, you know we're all working hard, and we've said we don't. You know, no one's making a pile of money, and we get very you know territorial in regards to you know our, our property and stuff like that. I was fascinated by how how angry everyone got, including we had a, a guest, a guest assassin, was Nick Wheeler. Nick Wheeler got all up in Unique Damascus's biz, and the funniest part was he got blocked. So what did he do? He he logged on to his dog's Instagram account. So he <laughs> logged he logged up on Newfies Oliver and Bentley and tore this guy up. The dog he set the dogs. He set the dogs. Set the uh, dogs on him. He set the dogs on him until he got blocked again. It was it it's it's this very frustrating thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, we tore this guy up, and he was just like, "I don't know, don't know more knife talk, 10, No more knife talk, 10. And <laughs> and the funny thing was, and it, I started to realize, it was like, you know, our, we weaponized, we've weaponized our podcast. You know, the listeners have been weaponized, and then people are started sending me more people we should go after, and it got to the point where one thing that Andre uh, Andreas and I were talking about is is it's too time consuming, it's mm. too oh, much yeah. work. Yeah a time out of your life to get involved with the shit and what's the thing to do. And I was like writing back these people, like, I know there's a millions of them, but I don't want to spend my days, you know, going on a internet war with some shitheads. What's the, what do we do? You know, what do you do?
3: I I think the only thing you can do is educate. Uh, All Mm. you can do is try to educate your customer base and help and you know and like you say jeff continue to innovate and continue your evolution as an artisan and craftsperson so that you know you're always i think jonathan has said this in, in past podcasts is that you you're always out in front of whoever's trying to copy you you know you you they can't they can only keep up with the last thing you did they don't know where you're going though and so i think but also i really do think that educating your customer base so that they know what they're looking at. So if they mistakenly see something that looks like yours or an account that is purporting to sell your work, they can double check with you or they know that it's bullshit and then they just don't make the transaction.
2: Well, I was actually thinking about what do we do to our wolf wolf. Wolf Pack uh, listeners because oh, what we they're looking them on for bl- wow, well, that's the thing. It's they're like the blood, lu- <laughs> the bloodlust did not go away. These, that's why that's, why that's why I was like I started I was talking to uh Jared from Boot Hill Blades. I was like, I I got nervous because, you know, we could sick we could sick these dogs on on anybody. And we gotta make sure that it's the right one. You know? <laughs> so maybe we should do like scum of the week or something like that. And like, you know oh. or I don't know. I mean it's just like you know, we have to, like, calm these guys. I had to, like, calm a lot of guys down. All right, well, we can't go after all of them, and we have all of this work to do, and they have all this pent-up rage, and, you know. But it was Maybe it was we should finish
1: it with some with some deep breathing, I think. I don't think yeah. it's good to set anybody on anybody. No, Let's no, just no, no, I'm going to be very –
2: I'm not going to do that for a while because it got to the point where I was just like, you know, these, are, you know, also, and I didn't feel bad. I and mean, somebody said, oh, Fader feels bad. I don't feel bad for these guys. These guys are – but at the same time, it's not like these guys aren't Madison Avenue shitheads. These are like, you know, dirt floor sandaled, you know, dudes who are just trying to like eke out a living and, and they got some, you know, dork on the computer trying to get a couple, you know, if he sells one knife a week, 150, a uh, one knife a day, 150 bucks, he probably did a pretty good job. Um, I but don't I know. Think it was well- interesting. It was fascinating.
1: It was fascinating, honestly. What can we do? Because if it wasn't Instagram, we're using a different platform, like the same thing would happen. But I just think look, verification on Instagram needs just to be easier and opened up a little. This, because this should okay, happen. you can't stop, stop people taking your designs. But you know, if it's your work and it's, it's on your feed and you're verified, it's easy to prove them. Well, no, this is my work. You know, It's not their work. It's my work. But yeah, it's just not easy to get verified in Instagram, and there's no there's no sort of feedback from them. It's just a case of you know your application's in, and then you you get a no. There's no. Uh there's no conversation to be had at all.
2: And this is also in every single business. You know, you, you can buy a rolling stones, a, a knockoff rolling Stones shirt in some shit house on 42nd street. You know, it's like, this mm. is the boot. The bootleg business is of anything is very high. And if they get a couple customers, Hey, look, I'm not even saying they're sending the knife. Who knows? Maybe mm. the old school, when I was a kid, you know what they used to do when flat screen TVs came out. Did you ever hear about this? It's unbelievable. When flat screen TVs, key uh, TVs used to come out. People used to break into uh, new new apartments or new uh, houses, and they'd steal the oven door off an oven. So what? people would go show up to their house, they'd open it up, their house got broken into, they would steal anything except for the oven door. So what happened was these guys would wrap up their oven door and sell them as new flat screen TVs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god true story same thing I've with cell phones
2: oh my god happened all the time people would have their oven doors stolen what? out of their house and these guys would do it and same thing with cell phones you just get a cell phone box you put like a brick in it and they would sell these things on the street and they'd walk away and the guy will turn around the guy's gone that Shanging shit happens all the time Shady. you know so it's like look you know you just gotta you know i don't know you know uh last thing is uh Andreas told me that there are forms you can, copyright and trademark forms you can fill out with Instagram. I'll try to figure out a way to do a link for that. He sent me a copy. Oh, it yeah. does take half an hour to, you know, half an hour. But he said that the times that he, he has to, if he fills it out in regards to somebody stealing shit, he, he'll get a phone call from someone from Instagram, and then they'll remove the account. Now, once right. again, we're down to how much time are we going to deal with this?
1: Yeah. you yeah. know. So there you have it. What can you do? There you have it. Let's talk about one of our sponsors, Combat Abrasives. We've already talked about the importance of using sharp belts. And you're not going to get better than their shredder belts. So they're they're lower grit. They're sort of 36s, 60s, 80s. They're incredible. They just eat steel. So if you're not using combat abrasives already, go check them out. As well as abrasives, they sell um, epoxies, even even handle materials. They sell all sorts of stuff now. So combatabrasives.com. Go check them out. And here's the thing, you can also get a discount. As one of our listeners, if you use Knife Talk 10, you're going to get 10% off anything that you order. So that's not just belts, that's anything at all. And let's say you've got a machine that is an oddball machine, an odd size, and it uses these weird belts. They'll make them up for you. They'll make up a belt specifically for the size you want. So get in touch with them, combatabrasives.com. I use them, Marekka uses them, Jeff uses them. I know a lot of our listeners use them get onto them Combatabraces.com and use that promo code knifetalk10
3: and don't forget if you once you get your gear tag us tag combat they'll share it back up we'll share it back up and uh, make sure you get a good shout out um but also, I just wanted to talk about uh, the fact that my birthday is coming up on the on Wednesday, the 21st. And I'm doing a giveaway right now in partnership with Combat. And we're giving away a starter kit. So that's like $150 of belts. Uh, so all you got to do is follow them, follow me, tag somebody in a comment and I'm not trying, I don't want anybody to be spammy. Try to tag somebody that you think could also. Yeah. People don't tag me. I've been
1: tagged a few times already. Here comes
2: comes (laughs) underscore unique Damascus. This is your chance. This is your chance to get some belts motherfucker.
3: Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, go check out the giveaway again. And, you know, anything that can help anybody you know it's my birthday and i want to give something to to somebody out there so i uh, i talked to combat and they're working with me and i think it was pretty cool to get a uh you know 150 dollars ain't nothing uh, especially for abrasive belts that really make the work hey, get done
2: you can get a knife so, in pakistan yeah. for 150 bucks <laughs> that's what i hear <laughs> happy birthday happy birthday all right
1: hey man can i ask you a question <laughs> So, questions. We've had lots of questions from you. Um, We do this every week. So this is a regular slot of the show where we ask for questions. We try and give our advice. If we don't know it, we'll reach out and try and find the answers for you. Um, But, you know, we're we're not the oracle. We don't know everything. So take what we say with a pinch of salt, but hopefully we can help you out a bit. So the first one is from Prince Forgeworks. Um, And I think that's from, that's Josh, isn't it? Yeah, Joshua. And he asks, What gives you more joy, process or results? Let's start with Marekka. What do you think?
3: Um, I mean, it's a little bit of both, Um, you know, especially once you get really, uh, I guess, comfortable with the process. You know, I'm not getting a lot of joy from drilling holes. But when, uh, you know, every time I go to sculpt the handle, I'm always trying to um, figure out how to make the process more efficient and effective. and And it's, it's like that for all the different processes. Um, and obviously I love having the finished product. Um, you know, you can see my posts and I'm constantly, I'm gushing over the knives and few of them. I'm definitely sad that they got to go, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's definitely a mix of both.
2: Hmm. what do you think jeff i like the process i i like the idea of uh there's each step is a system and you're slinging all the systems together for the final result I, i'm definitely more uh in life i like the journey the journey is far more interesting than the destination so um that idea of figuring out ways to kind of you know tighten up your systems and and it's just when things work out and you're not having any snags, and something doesn't happen, or you, you, you're you dealing with something that always gives you a frustration, and then you figure it out, and then you kind of a, a, a eliminate eliminate how you get that frustration. I get a lot of messages about um, getting a white ring out of uh, when you're drilling G10, and I've had that problem before in the past, mm. and figuring out that it was my drill bit rattling around in the hole and kind of like bruising the material, and then once I figure that out to... Kind of eliminate that step, that process, and fixing those processes. I, I think that the, you know, getting your systems squared away to me is kind of more interesting. And I, you know, I like, I, I love. Obviously, I love it when it's all together and it's all finished and the knife's good. But uh, I definitely
1: like the systems. Mm. I used to be. I used yeah, exactly. to be completely up on the results, just, you know, on what I was getting at the end. But it's only since starting to do sort of bigger batches of knives, which I'm doing now, sort of restaurant orders, that I'm really starting to enjoy the process and the sort of repetition of doing that one thing over and over. And, you know, making some small little tweak in your process makes, makes a huge, huge difference. So, yeah, I'm certainly finding joy in process at the moment where I think six months ago you know, I just – do whatever it took to get the knife done and i you know i it was all about the end result uh, but no there's definitely joy to be found now i think
2: and it's that rounding third rounding third base where you see i only got five more to do i only have five more mm-hmm. to grind and i'm like you kind of you have confidence in the in the the systems that you're doing and then it works out toward the end and that's that's just where the satisfaction comes to for sure
3: well, i think and if anybody thinks they really want to make this uh, their thing, full-time gig, and, and make it long-term, you, you really do got to uh, love the process uh, as much as getting the finished results because otherwise it's just going to be absolute drudgery. Uh, and, and that's no good for anybody mentally or physically to go through all that shit just to get the finished result, you know.
2: Yeah, but a little so, drudgery is mean, good. Little little turmoil, you know. No, the, no, no. That's what, little turmoil. You need a little turmoil. No, but, That's what I'm saying is Uh. if
3: you don't like that, this isn't for you. But if you do, if you, if you can put up with that, if you can, if you can find the joy in that, then you're going to do good and you're going to be able to make it long-term.
2: I put up with a lot of stuff I hate doing because I like the end result. It's fine. I don't, it's, 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 you're absolutely right. You have to like have the right mindset.
3: This next one is from Laramie Jackson down in Arizona. He says, Hey man, in your workshop slash studio, what kind of emergency plans or safeguards do you have in place? Fire extinguisher uh, extinguisher first aid? What do you guys got? Especially oh, Craig, your your shop's in the basement, isn't
1: it? No, no, it's it's um it's, it's on the on the ground floor, ground floor of the house basically. Oh right, that's
3: uh, where the store is, yeah.
1: Yeah, but very recently actually I I put a big first aid sort of corner in, um which I never had before, which is which is worrying. Um, particularly as I'm, I spent a lot of time on my own um in the shop right. but um yeah I've got this big sort of first aid corner now and it's got eye baths and it's got dressing it's got everything I need basically and it and it's at hand it's just always out so I don't have to go sort of picking around to find stuff if if my you know my arm was to be hanging off
2: well I, you know do you have to repl- I always have to replace I had to replace band-aids all the time all I do is go through all my band-aids and I'm constantly replace my band-aids <clears throat> I'm lucky because my space used to be a former garage and it's part of a a building that has a sprinkler system. So actually I have sprinklers. I have sprinklers uh, in my space, which is great. And the funny thing is we actually had the sprinkler system guy come in to just kind of take away a couple of the uh, sprinkler heads because there's one that was right by the grinder. And I said to the guy, I'm like, well, you know, it's right by the grinder. I don't want to possibly knock it off. And he said, well, Why? That's why, you know, I I would hate to have all the sprinklers, all the whole sprinkler system, you know, one goes off and then all of them go off. And then all of a sudden I flooded these buildings. This building is like, you watch Die Hard too many times. It doesn't work like that. You're going to hit one sprinkler and then it, that one sprinkler is going to go off. And I said, the next thing he says, the next thing is it's going to take like 300, 400, 500 degrees right underneath that sprinkler to set it off. Trust me. If that sprinkler goes off, you want it going off. So I, for some reason, I thought maybe uh, one spark would knock it off. But
1: Yeah, well, I thought that because I've got um, a uh, fire alarm. And sometimes if if I'm heating things up, the smoke obviously would set it off. Right. But sometimes it's just dust. Sometimes dust goes up and that can set it off. So I would have thought the same thing with a, with a sprinkler system, yeah. but obviously not.
2: No, 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 no. Yeah, so sprinkler system's nice. I mean, that, I didn't put it in. So.
1: Fair enough. Mareka, what have you got? Uh I always
3: have <clears throat> I have a fire extinguisher, I have an O2 sensor. Um I also always try to make sure I have air circulating through the shop. Um I I've never I've never been in a place with a sprinkler system, though that I, I would not be opposed to that. Um but yeah I and knock knock on wood. Um there aren't any problems where i need one but i've 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 always made sure that everything's up to date especially with the extinguishers and they're and they're handy you know they're right there next to uh right next to where i'm working especially with the forge um i if i have a garage door and i do have a forge the forge is basically right next to the garage door just in case there's a potential issue i can kick it out the door (laughs) um as long as that's a safe move um you know if i have to but again kick, i kicking fire
2: I, I, out of the door might not be a safe move
3: yeah. um well i mean even even at your shop jeff like if if you had the forge propane forge next to the garage door it's better for it to fall down out the garage door than right next to the wall uh right there in the shop yes i guess is my is my train of thought yes, so good, good tra- yes yeah. um
2: yeah Well, one thing I hate to in America, I hope I hope I don't get anyone nervous is there are opportunities for the fire department to do fire inspections. I actually was involved in a few fire inspections back in the day, back in the nineties, where when I had a shop in Brooklyn and we used to when the fire department came we would lock the doors and like hide because we had acetylene bottles and oxygen bottles and it was like <laughs> We're not home. well we would literally like we'd turn the breakers off so there's no buzzing and we would just hide until we would, we would you know it was the stupidest off it was terrible but uh in buildings like the building I'm at I'm in where there are you know ins- you know insurance adjusters come and everything like that I had to keep everything up to date and so they're in the building they actually have a a, a, a a schedule with this uh, extinguisher company that they've rechecked the extinguishers every year. And at first I thought this is a fucking scam, but you got to make sure if you have a, if you ever have a fire inspection, you really want to make sure that your, your fire uh, extinguishers are up to date because that's, I believe that might be a violation. So I it yeah, sounds terrible. Especially if they're hanging on the wall. It sounds <clears throat> stupid. I have fire extinguishers that have been the tags have been replaced every year for like years. And you think, all right, so it says fully charged, but if a fire inspection ever comes and you have a tag out of date, you're gonna be you're gonna find yourself into some trouble. I hate to be that guy. But because <laughs> I didn't I hate it. I used to think these guys are full of shit, but then all of a sudden I'm just like eh. Maybe they're in cahoots to the fire department, but if the fire department shows up, my, my, my extinguishers need to be updated. So we have them updated. I hate it. All right, the next one comes from the Undisputed Champ, Mike DePell Blacksmith. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Are there any materials you would avoid for a knife designed to be used to clean wild game? Keep up the excellent work. Is there, any, is there
1: anything you'd avoid? Anything you'd avoid? Yeah. Possibly G10. As I talked last week about never having really used it before, but having used it quite a lot this week, it's, it's really sort of uh, – the porous isn't the word, but it, it's got these little sort of ridges, obviously, from the, from the layers of fiberglass. And I think all that is likely to trap, like crap and dirt and possibly bacteria. I don't know, but that's, that's – I personally probably wouldn't use G10 for something like that.
2: I'm going to go exactly the opposite. Because it depends on how you sand it. And if you sand it, you can actually wash it very easily. Uh, I know that a lot of people like to use tan canvas micarta um, because it has like a grip so your hands don't slip. Uh, but hmm. I would probably use, because G10 is very easy to clean. Like I would think something like wood or antler, an antler handle would probably be less easy to clean. What do you think, Baracco?
3: Well, I'm going to go opposite of you. Uh, (laughs) Antler and horn actually has a tendency to become, or it doesn't get slippery. um, Oddly enough, Um, it it, I guess they're It's pretty easy to grip onto, and I think that's a big reason. A lot of um, hunting and game knives are are feature some sort of stag or moose antler, or or something like that on there, is for that kind of security. That it's not going to slip because it's known to not become slippery huh. when you're getting your hands all up in the guts and covered in blood and all all that other stuff um you're less likely to lose control of that knife um, than makes sense with anything else but if you
2: clean yeah. but I mean are they easy to clean
3: getting it all who those little- care you're cooking you're cooking the shit afterwards who cares you're
2: cooking the knife. <laughs> You're cooking, the no, knife. No, I'm
3: cook, I'm, you're cooking the meat no of course you can clean yeah yeah and people do all kinds of stuff to preserve they coat them in wd-40 and whatever you know you can put it through that's a marinade know. that's a you're marinade right in. there yeah you soak it in a, a bucket of bleach for all i care yeah, but you know they're working knives they get the shit kicked out of them
2: Alright Mike, well there you go Mike that You can you <laughs> sift through that baby And you can have that one Whatever you, whatever you do Obviously it's going to work, or maybe not Who knows
1: <laughs> Fox Riverblades asks What are your thoughts on people using Forge in their name If they only do stock removal He sees a lot of guys do it And it drives them a little batty, he says mm. Settle yourself a bit You know, it's not <laughs> But yeah, it is weird. Why would you have it in your name if you're not doing it? It does sound very weird. Uh, look,
3: well, it- it's—I feel like it's false advertising. Yeah, and yeah. and and it's it's going back to I think we've talked about in previous episodes. It's it's leveraging a term, a a buzzword or a term to hopefully height like raise your sales or the likelihood that you're going to make a sale even though it's not something you do and it's like you're you're false advertising you're you're making yourself look kind of like an asshole
2: but the problem not is, only two, is three, people don't know i mean the people who right. come up to these people they don't nobody really understand i mean the the civilians don't know what forging is anyway you know
1: he could yeah. treat it. Forge? You don't know?
2: Well, it, it, is an, it, is a, it is an annoying thing. I actually had a couple woodworkers come up to me with like anvils on their shirts. And I was just like, oh, you're a guy. says, no, but I want to be. Or, no, someday I will be. It's just like, what? Wait a second. What are you doing? What is this? You know, all of a sudden, I'm Dr. Fader. You, oh, you went to medical school? Ah, I want to be. It's, you can't really. I mean, it just doesn't. I try to be as honest as I can just because I just don't want the headache. You know, it's like, and it has nothing to do right. with that. I want people to see me a certain way. I honestly, I just want to be left alone, and I don't want to be like I just, just keep it easy and just don't be so stupid. It's it is annoying. It is annoying <laughs> to a certain degree because it's just like you're telling something, you're telling somebody, you're doing something that you're not, and then you're giving a technicality like that asshole and you know, unique Damascus. He's like, well, I was just reposting it. I didn't make it, but I could. It's it stop playing. You know, it's just. It's just a little bit like, come on in. Just be honest. Be yourself. Don't be somebody else.
3: All right. This next one is from Black Cap Knives. He says, hey, cuties, uh, can I ask you a question? Do you have any tips for someone looking to start making integrals? Thanks for a great show, as always, guys. Um, I I, I don't know what your experience with knife or forging is, Black Cap, but I would say um, it's, as long as you got a solid foundation of forging, uh, it would depend on the equipment you have available. Would you agree, Jeff? Uh, it helps, definitely helps. Yeah. Well, I guess if you, I mean, a hammer or a press would really make uh, the forging process a bit easier. Especially if you're you're going to start with thicker stock, reducing it down by hand while doable um, is not the greatest joy in the world. But it could be. I don't know. I mean, if you get a friend to help strike um that could that could be make for a fun day uh i know the guys at bloodroot blades for a long time they forged their integrals by hand u- using uh hardy tools and sledgehammers and it was just the two of them
4: yeah. and
3: um and they were hammering hammer out some great stuff and it's definitely doable but um yeah i think if you're not gonna if you're not gonna use it by uh, use a hammer or press designing and building some hardy tools to help help uh i guess concentrate your force and help reduce down the material from a larger stock is going to be key uh peter Swarsberg if you check him out peter uh i think he's peter peter burt knives on instagram he actually has a hardy tool that he designed uh, to help reduce down his wootz material which is some of the hardest material i've ever forged and he's doing it all by hand he is using a big uh, hand hammer, a damn thing. I think is like 10 or 12 pounds. Um, but it is a lot of work. So I don't know. That's what I got.
2: I had a friend come up with a bar of O2 a few years ago. And he says, I thought maybe we could knock out I I thought maybe we could knock out an integral knife. And it was like, we had a sledgehammer and we, and we were striking and it was brutal. It was totally brutal. Um, I, th- I think that one thing that a lot of knife makers don't realize is that forging isn't just about the knife making. It's about the blacksmithing. It's about segmenting. It's about isolating material. It's about understanding how to make transitions. I think that the best thing you can do is to take blacksmithing classes or f- start fooling around with, mm. or ha- just a regular hot rolled mild steel or mild steel for that matter. Yeah. I think that you will learn everything you can by hand, before you start in, and it's all it's all that trans it's all about that transition. And it's the transition from the tang to the bolster to the heel and then to the end. I mean, if you forged a regular knife, you understand what it takes to kind of make that long triangle. But it's the transition of keeping the mass where you want it to be and not, you know, futzing around too much so you have enough to grind it down. Learning how to be a blacksmith is where I would always push people towards. Before that's what happens. A lot of people just want to make knives, but they don't realize that the questions can be answered by learning the all the proper techniques of all the forging ideas. Did you? See
1: uh,
3: I will. Josh
1: oh, go ahead. this week. So I don't think he does many sort of chef knives. Certainly not integrals, but he did one this week, yeah. and I think it's first. It looked incredible. He did it with Nico.
2: Mm. Yeah, he was over yeah. with Nico, and uh, they were knocking it out. He did a nice job. He was belaboring over it for a long time. He was telling me, he was complaining about how long it took. <laughs> Sending me these little messages.
3: Josh is a good guy. Good guy. Yeah. I, w- I will say that um the more blacksmithing I observed, um, the more I saw techniques and, and approaches that I realized I could use to make my forging my blade forging more efficient and i do i do also refer people whenever they're like i want to get into forging knives i want to do what blah 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 how do i start i say i almost always say uh if not take a knife making class with or take a forging class with somebody uh blade forging class sorry take a blacksmithing class because there there are so many smart techniques for moving mass and, and consolidating mass and, and isolating mass, like you were just saying. And yeah, blacksmithing classes is definitely a way to start.
1: There you go. There you go. Next one is from Pellegrino. Steve at Pellegrino Cutlery. How much caffeine is too much? He says it's basically legal speed, but he does love being productive. Um, I have one cup of coffee a day anymore, and I. I, I well, I basically on the toilet for the rest of the day. So. <laughs> Come on, man. You didn't
2: have to French. say that.
1: She's a weak strong French press in the morning, um and that's it for the day. Mm. If I, if I go beyond that, I'm in trouble. Yeah. You're not like tuned I, I'm, up. I'm, I'm, you're, just,
2: like, you're just like you just have the in the bathroom. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm strange. I'm one cup a day kind of guy and I got too for the same reason. <laughs>
2: yeah. I uh I uh I only could only have one cup. And the funny part is, is we got sponsored by a, a espresso company and Tony came up for a meeting and he brought this espresso machine and he was, he was, you know, I was fooling around and he was working on some up orders and then he had a espresso and then he had a second espresso and he had a third espresso. And I'm looking at him like, you're going to go out of your mind. He was out of his fucking mind to the point where I said, you're not allowed to have any more. You're only allowed to have one. He was literally, I was like, we can't get anything done. You're out of your fucking mind. So yeah, I, I I'm only like uh, why well, can't I can only do one cup? Otherwise, I mean, I'm not I don't have the uh, in inco- I don't have the uh, bowel problems that Mister Lockwood does, but I'm uh, uh you know I just get too jittery and I get nervous.
1: There we go. Three guys, one cup.
2: (laughs) Oh Oh my God, that was perfect. Old school, baby. Old school. All right. Gross. Super gross. All right. The next one comes from Peter Schaefer. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Why is it that we generally want the, quote, scratches on our knife to follow the length of the blade? Is Is it more than just aesthetic? Love the show, by the way. So he's talking about hand sanding. Why do we want those scratches hand-sanded? I have no fucking idea. I hate it. That's stupid. <laughs> that's
4: a good answer, <laughs>
1: too. It's an evolution, yeah. It, it, I think it is just aesthetic, and it shows that the knife has been done by hand. Um, because obviously with the machine, you're always going to get those those scratch lines um, running towards the bevel. Um, yeah, it just shows that the care has been taken. I think, Jeff, you mentioned last week, how, you know, the aesthetic, all the lines run in the same direction, just makes it look nicer.
2: I, I mean, I think it leads the eye. I think that, yeah. I think that if you hand-sand a knife... And God bless people who don't hand sand knives. You know, you, I, I, I wish I could do as nice a job as you. Like Pariah, Pariah knives is like the off the belt genius. He listens. Chris, Chris is unbelievable. I,
3: I Fingal, I, he, he also is off the belt too. He I, kills we got it.
2: a lot of friends of ours who are off the belt, and, and they're a be- they do a beautiful job. I don't feel like I number one, I don't feel like I do a good job, a good enough job. And number two is I like the way the satin finish. Uh, hand sanded lines leads your eye you know then a knife is a directional object even if you were came from mars and you saw it you would know that it works one way you know it works it's a directional item so that i think that in my opinion for my knives i like those lines i think that it leads your eye down the it doesn't stop your eye um from kind of seeing the whole directional pattern
3: I, I can't tell if you're being too much of an artist right now I'm or artist. you've just convinced yourself that you want me to bring my <laughs> diploma.
2: I'll give you my diploma. I I'm have a hundred percent dyed in the wool art major. So I, 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 I there are certain <laughs> things that I can't control. I mean, my sculpture is the same way. I do these giant fishing lures and I really wanted them to look like. They were directional. You know, that's part of sculpture is how do you make a sculpture look like if I do these birds or I do these giant lures? How do you make an inanimate object look like it's moving? You have to have some sort of directional lines. And when my lures were the same thing, I'd have these vibrating patterns and then you knew which direction it was going. You knew which was the front, which was the back. So there is something to that, you know, and and not to mention with the concept of being an artist, you, you do have to explain your work. To a much different uh, degree than just like I made it because it looks nice. You know, I have like th- opinions about what my work looks like in regards to the direction. So
1: you're, the answer is you're right. There you go. <laughs> Regarding off the belt finishes, um, Jeff, you gave a tip last week that you had from Florentine Kitchen Knives oh, about yeah. using Scotch Bright belts, um, load it with WD 40. I tried it this week. It's a game changer. It's incredible. Mm. It's incredible. So yeah, it just keeps that belt and, and the platen so much cooler, so you can just and put the a bit knife
2: more. And the knife. You you that means you can go slower. So we owe Tomer something. Yeah, we do. We owe him something. I think we I think we bought it. He's on vacation. I, I did defend you against that uh, unique Damascus Tomer. You started all this. I think that's good enough. We set the dogs on him yeah. for to save your well
3: being. This next one's from uh, Gabriel F. Salmer. Salmaron? Sorry. This <laughs> is, <laughs> hey man, can I ask you a question? How do you seal slash finish this? Your, uh, sorry, the <laughs> surface of non stabilized wood for handles? Thanks.
1: Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oil. That is not. Well, um, so I actually use my stabilizer machine, even if I'm not using a stabilizing solution. So if I'm using like a tongue oil or, or something like that, I'll still. St- sort of stabilize it just with the oil so i know that oil's like penetrating deep deep into into the handle um but obviously you're not baking it then and and you know making it stabilize
2: so you so you put a small container in your container filled with oil and then stick the wood in it and stabilize the wood with the
1: fucking oil exactly so just dry just as if it was a stabilizing solution. Well, it'll dry. Then you pull it out and you just let it air dry, like you would huh. who just doing the surface of, of the uh, knife with, with oil. That's crazy. It just gives that that d- deeper penetration, which you know, everybody's after well, penetration. Oh, there he goes. Here he goes, baby.
2: <laughs> deep. deep. <laughs> oh no! Come on, guys. This is a family what show here.
1: You put an oil on the surface of wood. What you want to happen is for that oil to, to seep in as much as possible. So just give yourself a helping hand, and and if you've got a stabilizer, you know, a vacuum unit, use that for oil too.
2: I'm going to go out on a limb to say that Gabriel, if he doesn't want to use stabilized it's- wood, he doesn't have a stabilizer either. Probably doesn't.
3: <laughs> yeah. uh, you well, if use I it. have any handle material. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead i was I was just gonna say if I have handle material that hasn't been stabilized uh I send it out to be stabilized, and that's how I seal and finish the surface um no but for for surface finishing i've been uh you know i've been using uh what was it tongue oil mm. it, which is really sweet um to get a nice gloss finish and uh and then i also have been i still am rocking the uh, classic wax is an awesome way to finish out the way. Actually, I just posted about a bago candle that I did and that has, has been finished with the, uh, with the classic wax. And you can see the, the high gloss that it takes. It's pretty yeah. incredible.
2: Yeah, it is amazing. I, 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 actually to try out a couple pieces of, I have a couple knives in my kitchen that have unstabilized walnut and I'm not noticing any differences. I mean, obviously it gets a little bit drier, but, I haven't noticed, like, it hasn't been, like, flying off the handles or it hasn't been moving a whole lot. I think a lot of that has to do with the wood that you're choosing. Don't get a piece mm-hmm. of cedar. Don't you know, get a piece of unstabilized cedar and throw oh, it on it. and it turn into a banana on you. Um, yeah. But, you know, there you go.
1: Yeah, but even even those woods that you wouldn't stabilize, such as um, ebony or, you know, a hard walnut, um, that, that's what that's what I do with the, the wood that I don't stabilize. I still stick them in oil. So whether you're going to put them through the machine or not, just you know, a, a dip overnight, leave them overnight to try and soak in as much oil as possible. Yeah,
2: he likes a dip overnight. There
1: you go. A dip dip. <laughs> Mr. Rob Labowski. Rob Roblowski, rather. Um, hey, man, I can I ask you a question? Are you guys going to do a live podcast next year's Bleach show?
4: Hmm.
1: We have talked about doing something, haven't we? But we just could get things lined up. It would be good. You know. I'm be good. worried about it.
2: I'm worried. worried about, I'm worried for this reason, and this is based on my years of listening to radio shows. You know, the one they do the live shows. What you're doing is, and I'm just saying this because it's my opinion, but, you know, obviously, if somebody wants to do it, I will do it. But what happens is, is when you're listening to this podcast, you're listening in your earbuds, and you're listening to me and Craig and Recco, and you're having this kind of, like, intimate relationship. You feel like you're the fourth person in the show. So we're being unguarded. We're saying things we wouldn't normally say. We're not. We don't feel nervous because we're just talking to three of us. We don't really think about the people listening to this all over wherever they're listening to. And then you're creating a dynamic that's much more of an intimate conversation. So when you start to like put it in front of a crowd, you're gonna have to put a fucking bag over my head and I've had earplugs in because I can't. I can't do this and just be unguarded. You know, it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a. Usually, those shows become on the strange side. So we're going to have to you in your truck. Um,
3: interesting in
2: your truck on the stage. What? what, <laughs> what in, you your truck. in your truck. Well, no, but I mean, it is a strange dynamic. We'll dyna- put you in a box. All right. It's a strange yeah. dynamic. It's a strange dynamic. Number two is I was on a podcast when I went into a podcast and I told the guy, I'm used to not seeing anybody. So I can make faces when I'm not, you know, I can do whatever the hell I want to do. I want to like put my. Whatever. I'm gonna I said don't be weird if I don't look at you because I'm not I don't wanna have eye contact when I'm talking with you. There's this strange little thing that I got a feeling it's gonna be like people are gonna come and see us and it's gonna be very <laughs> like a letdown. It's not gonna be like this.
1: Yeah. It, it would have, I, if we did something, it would have to be different because the format would have to change yeah. because it simply wouldn't work the three of us chatting like this. Because they you know, you get people who come up to it us would, and
2: say it that they totally work. No, uh, it's a different dynamic. If you ever listen to Old Howard Stern when he's live, or Old Opie and Anthony when they're live, it's a stranger dynamic because you're losing that that uh, that intimacy of them feeling like they know who you are. All of a sudden, you're in this room with a lot of people who feel like you know who you are. They're not kind of. It's not the same response, and then we're going to be much more guarded. Can't have these little bickering talk conversations like this because they're going to be like you know, people. I, I disagree. Something.
3: I completely disagree. I've actually i've i've been i've gone and seen quote unquote live podcasts and like I listen to Adam Carolla's podcast. I've gone and seen him do his podcasting live. It's great. It's it's almost exactly the same because they're he's on like the stage or wherever he's sitting with the people, and then they have the lights on them. The audience is dark. It's. And because the light, if you're on a stage of some sort or at the front of a room, um, and all the lights are in your face, you're not really seeing the audience. So that might help. But I feel like I honestly feel like the way I talk on this show is no different than how I would talk to you in person.
2: No, 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 um, no. But you're but you're you're talking about you're talking about. I'm not talking about. Be, I'm not saying that we're different people. I'm saying you become more no, you're saying You'd be you'd feel awkward and weird. No no i wouldn't be able you. to be i would be more guarded i would be more guarded than i normally am now like at this point in time i'm not thinking about what i'm saying i don't care. sometimes i say things that are controversial because i don't care because i'll take a point that doesn't really matter and it's not because i'm looking for brownie points or something it's because i'm trying to be entertaining for this podcast but if all of a sudden you have a group of people it just becomes you're, you become more guarded guaranteed 100% you're not going to be making Two, three Formant guys. Anxiety. No, 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 dude, you don't, you are not not understand. It's, 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 it's a different, it's going to give you a different dynamic. I'm telling you, go listen to old Howard Stern when he goes on, when he's in the room with, um, with Robin and everybody. Should I go
3: listen to Orson Welles too? <laughs> 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 this shit's fucking old, bro. I it's have, fucking old. Yeah, and I know you grew up with it and I you know, love it, but that's not I how they do it today.
2: Dude, this is so, talk about, you yeah.
1: You keep keep these jokes. These jokes are great. Yeah, the same old jokes. Keep going. I'd love to do something live, but I think the format would be different. And I think it'd be different in a way that could be better because we could be a bit more interactive with with the audience. Um, so we, you know, if we were to do something, who knows? Maybe I'm one for
2: day. it, I just you know, it's fine. fine. I'll do it. But it's, I know it's going to be different. It's going to be a different <laughs> style of show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Orson, Welles. We Orson like Wells, Orson Wells, Orson Wells. Yeah, Orson. That Orson Wells jokes was a, was, a, was a beaut. <laughs> Let's talk about our sponsor, the New Jersey Steel Baron. It's a great place to buy steel for your knives. They have different materials. They have different types of steel, different sizes. Uh, you can get a lot of different dimensions. There, they have a great uh, website where you can actually see the kind of steel that they have and order it. And they have the heat treating. Uh, information on those uh, on the website. They also do water jet cutting services. So you can actually send them a drawing. If you wanted to do something more, uh, have them cut it out. They'll use their steel, cut it out for you send it right to you. They're an awesome company, small business They have certifications on all their steel. They pride themselves on the fact that when they get their batches of steel, they have all the certifications. So they know where it came from. They know what uh, what batch it came out of. It's um, they're very very uh, it's very very important to them to be able to tell their customers about that steel. So they stand behind it. They also do uh, they make their own knives. They have a great knife maker on the premises who makes knives. So whatever problems you're having, they're having the same problems. They're super helpful. Definitely go to the New Jersey Steel Baron to buy all your steel and tell them we said hello.
3: So this one is from Zhao. He says, what are three habits that have improved your life? Doesn't have to be knife related. So I'll kick it off uh, since I chose it. I would say, um, and I haven't really talked about this before, but one thing I've definitely started doing in this last year, or at least since the beginning of the year, is I've started meditating as woo-woo as that might sound uh there's actually a lot of science that backs up meditation and the positive effects it has on you and your life and i just find myself super stressed out a lot of the time (laughs) with everything that's going on the last year and a half i've had uh setbacks on almost every single build uh i've i've had uh this the one with the sand and the homone i did recently was the actually the first knife in all that time that was completely, uh, headache free and everything went super smoothly, even though I was doing a bunch of new stuff on it went very smooth. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, I think another habit that I have not been that good about lately, but I, has been very positive for me in the past and helpful in the past has been making lists, which is, uh, I think that is a, that is a tip I got from Jeff um just to just so that when i get into the shop i am organized i have a plan um for when i get in there and then um i don't know i think i i listen to i listen to pod, uh, podcasts that are very uh kind of they're either uh like personal growth centered or business centered um and that way, I'm I'm either helping myself with my my own personal life or with my business, and I think the, those three things have been pretty key in, um, you know, w- with how things have been rolling for me lately.
1: I think that's a good question. All three of mine are personals. So I've just given this, you know, a good forty seconds thought, so you know it's well <laughs> said. <laughs> but um, the first one is, I'd say. 10, 15 years ago, um, I would try and please everybody. I was just going out of my way just to try and please everybody. And it was getting me into all sorts of scrapes and trouble because that was the only thing that was important to me, making sure everybody around me was happy. And And it took a while, and it was a very conscious decision to... Sort of lean back and think, well, actually, I don't care too much what people think. I only care about the people who I love and the people who I really respect. other people, I'm not really out to make them happy they They can do that themselves. so that changed that changed I'd say my personality in a lot, and that was that was some time ago um, the other The other one is being friends with people who I don't necessarily always agree with, so yeah. Um, I always used to be, you know, my, my sort of friendship circle with people who were pretty much like me. Um, but now I, I, I don't sort of seek it. But I think if somebody has an opposing view, I sort of enjoy that now, you know, whereas before, you're like, how could I be friends with that person? I don't agree with them. I think just because you don't agree with somebody doesn't mean that you don't like them. And, and that sort of realization I had within the last couple of years. Um, and the third one, I think, is... Um, be sort of out to put myself in situations more where, um, I was, as a child, I was very, very, very shy, very shy. Um, and you know, I, I'd, I'd go out of my way not to be in any sort of confrontation, you know, just sort of blend into the background as much as possible. And I was probably missing out on, on a lot of stuff. Um, and again, that's something that I still have to work at because I'm, I'm still pretty shy, but I think. By putting yourself in certain situations, it's going to enrich your life. And um, that's what I, I strive to do more. So three deep ones there, I think. Dang. Those are good. Super I like deep, them. Super deep. Super deep. I said that was a full 40 seconds thought gone into that.
2: Wow. Damn right. <laughs> Holy mackerel. That's incredible. Well, God bless you both. You guys are all centered and ready to roll. You know? <laughs> Journey, man. Journey, man. Journey, man. I, look, I... My whole, my, the habits that I feel are important, and I literally just kind of, you know, I don't really know, but I, I tried, I don't make excuses. I, I refuse to, and I refuse to accept excuses. So, like, I don't like to hear a lot of times I'll get, I'll deal with someone and then they'll say, oh, I couldn't do this because my this happened and that happened. I don't make excuses for myself, and I don't accept excuses from other people. I mean, you got to have a real good one. Some of these good ones are not good ones. I, I really take responsibility for what I when I say I'm going to do something, I do it, and I feel very strongly about uh, your reputation. Your word is the most important thing. If you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it, and to the point where I want to be, you know, when somebody asks me something, they know they can that if I say I'm going to do it, I'll do it, and it's just. You know, having a higher, trying to, you know, behave in a manner that is uh, more, uh, I, I hold myself to a higher standard. And those three things have been really, the three things or oh, two things. I don't give you three. I give you two. I take responsibility for my actions. <laughs> no, you know, that's the other one. I'll take responsibility for my actions. I never give, make excuses. I don't take excuses. I say I, I'm going to do what I, when I say I'm going to do it, I do it. And I hold myself to a higher standard. That's three, right? There you go. There you go. Fast. Deep. Well, deep out. Not that deep. My word that deep. So I've, you ever hear people I, I've heard some stories from people on why they can't do something. And it's just like, what do you stop make it happen? Just just shut up yeah. and make it happen. Don't don't give me a reason. Nobody wants to hear your reasons. It's like it turns into complaining. <laughs> and it's a sign of weakness. That's what it is. Sign of weakness. No. There you go. There yeah.
1: we go. Do you want to pick one, Jeff?
2: Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Let's pick one. Um this one comes from blah, 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 blah. this one comes from CQ knives. Hey fellas, do you guys get annoyed when when you get asked by people what's your specialty? As a chef, it's one of the most annoying questions I get asked. Everything has to be my specialty. So do people ask you what yeah. your specialty is? And does that annoy you?
1: Um, no. no, I don't really get that. No,
3: I don't either.
2: Well, that was a good question. I picked a good one. Then. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there uh, you go. Wait, like, do you, huh? you get people asking what your
2: specialty is? No, people, Speciality. You know, people call me the knife guy. So it's just like, you know, it's like, are you the knife guy? I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. I, I Yeah, I, I don't really. I mean, I, I also see it as like, you know, metal work is metal work. And I try not to make, you know, get too crazy. I mean, but, you know, fine. Look, at least they're asking something. You know, at least they're not like, you know, they're saying, you're a dummy. I don't want to talk to you. They don't want to talk to you. So CQ knives, just enjoy the fact that somebody gives a shit that, to talk to you. How's that?
3: I will say it's funny when I t- tell people when uh, me making knives comes up in the conversation, I'll to some effect, I'll say I make knives or I'm a custom knife maker. The first beat, the first thing out of most people's mouths is cool. So you, have you ever made a sword? I'm like, I just said, I'm a knife maker. Did I say I'm a sword maker? Like how the fuck? Well, have,
2: have, <laughs> you, have you made a sword?
3: I, I mean, I have. All
2: right. Well, then there's your answer. The- the point of this question. The point I think of the your I think your, I think your answer should have been yes, and then that'd be now leave me alone. That's that would be my answer.
3: But even before I made a sword, people a were like, "Oh, so you make swords?" I'm like, Ugh.
2: "Yeah, I would say no? yes." Fuck off. Yes. Fuck off. <laughs> yes. Do you ask stupid <laughs> questions sword. for a living? That's what I would ask. I'd say, what do you do? With, what 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 job do you have? What job do you have that I can ask you a dumb question? Oh, you're accountant. Do you work for the IRS? Oh, no? Then fuck away off.
3: Let's go. <laughs> On that note, yeah. uh, I would like to talk about our sponsor, Indasa USA. So Indasa is the manufacturer of uh, the world, or at least knife world famous, Rhino Wet. They make the, uh, the red line, but they also make a... Uh, a silicon carbide line that is the plus line they all have they have all kinds of abrasives and they've just been uh they've been a great sponsor for the show so far and we really appreciate them jumping in and uh taking care of us and who will also take care of you is texas barrier supply so texas barrier supply carries the rhino wet red line which is as i just said is an incredible sandpaper um it really i don't i mean i don't know about you guys but when i first use the red line i i game felt change. like a compl- i felt like an idiot i was like everybody's been talking about this especially nick wheeler i mean he had a damn video on about red line like back in 2004 or 2006 and and i'm foolish and thought oh i can just get along with the shit that i'm using but the red line is a game changer. So anyways, Texas ferry supply does carry it and they are helping us out with a knife talk 10 discount, uh, Not only on their sandpaper, but on all their other products that they offer. So they have mosaic handle pins and handle material as G10, micarta, wood. Uh, They sell anvils. They actually are having their own anvils casted. Um, They have all kinds of stuff because they are also a farrier supplier. So they also, you know, they have all kinds of crazy hammers and tongs and everything that you think you might need. They can probably get a hold of for you. So go check them out. Give them some love and support and use the. The promo code knife talk 10 when you check out for a 10% discount.
0: Craig's Community Showcase.
1: Okay, this is a bit of the show. We'd like to give a shout out to either a person, a product, or a company, or whatever. Something that we've seen this week that really perked our interest. Um, for me, I'm going to jump straight in and say it is Virtus Knives. So, B I R T U S Knives. Um, Canadian knife maker, and they're they're sort of uh, classic sort of hunter bushcraft woodlaw style knives. And but what sets these apart is the apart from the, the amazing shapes and the you know, beautiful shapes, is the the contrast in handles, particularly on the last few that they've shared on Instagram. Um, really, really, for something that is you know a very sort of classic shape. They're really sort of modernizing them and, and just making them look look stunning. So, so go take a look at vertus Knives on Instagram. So that's at Virtus Knives. Nice.
3: Um, my community showcase this week is Jan. I'm going to screw up his last name, but I'm going to try. Jan Hafnik Knives. Uh, so Jan is from Slovakia and he is a badass knife maker uh, who specializes mostly in hunters and bowies, but his homone work is insane. So if you go check out Jan Hoffnick Huff, Knives, um, his I, I, I want to learn how he's doing it. Homone is something I'm passable on, I would say. And seeing stuff like this makes me realize how much there is... Still to learn his the hormones, they actually look like. Often they look like the the flames like you see on hot rods, like pinstriping flames. He gets that kind of activity on his blade and it looks and it it doesn't look cheesy. He does a really good job. And it ends up on a lot of them having kind of like a uh, an animal' skin kind of look to it, uh, like a snake skin or something like that. It's really, really, really cool stuff. And overall, his knife work is really nice. And so uh, give him go check him out, give him a follow. Um, and try to learn something because that, that is definitely an awesome resource just for inspiration. If anything else,
2: how do you spell his name?
3: J it's, uh, so it's Slovakian. So it's, it's Jan is starts with a J
2: still, it's still letters, right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Well, it's just anyways, it's, it's J A N H A F I N E C K or E C sorry, knives. And, um, yeah
2: i want to give a shout out to seth Gould uh Seth Gould is one of the finest metal workers in the- in the United States uh He is an extraordinary blacksmith um he does filed he does forge and filed work he does incredible locks his locks are i mean they're like they're like you can't even believe it they can't even believe the the precision in regards to what he's done with. Um, the forging, with the mechanisms, with the the precision. I know that he's taught at uh, the Penland School, and he's just... I mean, it, it's mind-blowing watching um, how he makes his dividers, how he... I know that he teaches a class every so often at the Center for Metal Arts, and they do a hacksaw. They do a forge-and-filed hacksaw. Um, he's just beyond... He's just beyond impressive. Seth Gould is... The locks and the lock boxes they're just extraordinary. So go give Seth Gould, go get inspired and feel bad about
3: yourself. Go vile, Seth Gould.
4: Where's the beef?
3: Where's the beef? This is the part of the conversation where we just kind of talk about kind of the stuff that's pissing us off or frustrating us lately. Uh, Craig, you want to kick us off here?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh So, um... This week, I, as we talked about earlier, I, I put up a few photos of these knives that I'd done with, with yogurt, recycled yogurt pot handles. And the response was, in, was incredible. I mean, I had lots of DMs from people, first of all, asking if they could buy the material. Um, but then also, you know, could they buy one of the knives? Because I hadn't really put them up for sale or anything. Um, so I had some extra material here. So I thought, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to make five. Put up on Instagram that I'm going to make five, the first five to get them, um, you know, five sales. Um, I put them up at what I normally charge for a steak knife, which is 100 pounds, which is about $130 um, or so on. I had four separate people, four separate makers reply to me saying, your knives are too cheap, Um, which at first is quite flattering maybe. But one of them, one of them was, and he said, "You're, you're doing a disservice to other makers by selling them this cheap. And it really sort of grinded my gears. Because I thought, well, first of all, you're not buying one anyway, so it's still too expensive for you. So, I, you know, I'm going to discount what you're saying because you're not buying anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I'm in it. This, this, this is my job. I'm in this to pay electricity bills, to put food on the table. Um, and if I can sell them for that, I'm going to sell them for that. Um, I've had months and months, uh, you know, this time last year, for example, of just not selling knives and, you know, you can always go down that route of making them even cheaper. But if they're not selling, they're not selling. If they're more expensive, they're still not selling. But for me, this is a price point that works. And everybody's going to have a different price point that works for them. But for these specific knives, I can make 10, 15 a day. So by telling me I need to make them more expensive, first of all, you're saying that you'd be you'd be ripping somebody off. I'm not into ripping people off. Um, and also, you don't know my circumstance. Yeah. Just because we do this show and we may have a larger following than others doesn't mean that we're, we're swimming in money. You know, I need to do what I need to do to, you know, to look after my family. And this is a price point that works for me. So, yeah, maybe they're too cheap for you, but you know, you're not buying one. So I think it's too expensive. for That's you. That's not a crazy price for a steak knife. It's not no.
2: at all. It's not a crazy problem.
1: I mean, steak knives are super different than, than everything sh- else. Exactly. My chef knives are far more expensive for that reason, you know? But, you know, I can, the chef, the steak knives that I do, they're, they're laser cut out. I'll spend about three or four days a month literally just grinding through a big bucket of these. So all the grinds are done. So when it comes to finishing the knife, I'm obviously. You know, f- finishing the grinds. I'm you know, so, so after the heat treat, um, I'll then do the finishing grinds. I'll put then put the handles on, and so on. I, I can literally do about a dozen a day, so I think that's a good return for me. I'm happy with that return. Oh, for sure. Keep your keep your nose out. I yeah. think you know. Keep it. Sure. Yeah,
4: it
1: was, you know, come come a, a long hot bath, maybe read a book, maybe even pour yourself a nice glass of wine, go having you know, have an early night. Then you can go loop yourself up oh, and Jesus. go. Fuck
2: <laughs> me! Yeah, my God. Like well, you know, look, I don't understand why people seem to think like we're it's a hundred percent brotherhood. Like we're not. I understand why people get mad because if you're selling it cheaper, than. but people, like you said in the beginning, people are buying your knives to buy your knives. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Don't get me wrong. I had some messages just saying they're too cheap. And I, I think maybe that's quite flattering. But there was one message specifically that said I'm doing a just dis- disservice to other makers. And, um, yeah, that that really wound me up a bit. That's
3: annoying. Yeah. was annoying. I'll tell you what's annoying Uh-oh. is when <laughs> I'm driving down the damn road Uh-oh. and there's almost no shoulder and there's a perfectly good sidewalk right there but the person walking on the side of the road is on the road and not on the sidewalk. And I just, I see this, And I don't know if that's a thing here um, in my town or if that's a thing elsewhere, but I, I just don't get it. And I'm just like, I just, you know, there's a, there's a beautiful, perfectly good four foot wide sidewalk. Why are you walking in the fucking gutter? um i don't know maybe it's a statement about themselves they're not good enough for the sidewalk i don't know but it's just like get out of the basically i'm i want you out of the road get out of the road
1: 90 percent of your beefs Morocco involve you driving
3: yeah it does yeah it fucking pisses me off i'm uh-huh. an angry driver
2: you are <laughs> you are you get mad about it you get mad about it. worse than bicyclists what do you think about bicyclists
3: Oh, I I don't have a problem with bicyclists until they're Uh-oh. riding out in the middle of the lane at their leisure. Um, I used to cycle full time. Th- like that was my only form of transportation was riding a bicycle. But I busted fucking ass on that thing. I was going at the speed of traffic if not sometimes faster because they had I I could go between cars or along the bike lane.
1: Oh, and- you shit back. They're the worst people. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Inner turmoil.
3: Go ahead. <laughs> But I remember one time I was riding my bike down to work and I was trying to get there and these two idiots were riding their bikes in the in the lane, kind of doing this swervy thing, just kind of like, I don't know if they're high or drunk or what, but they were just taking their time and taking in the sights and I'm like, you fucking assholes, not only are you make, slowing me down and making me late, but... I look like I'm an asshole too because I'm also on a bike and there's a lineup of cars behind us and it was it was annoying. Yeah, I you should have kicked one of those you assholes. Like
2: a, you need like a, a chauffeur. That's what you need.
3: You that's need, why. I, oh, that's why I meditate. I get so angry about things.
2: Yeah, you get <laughs> angry. You get angry. Let them live their lives. Ah, you know what? People are asshole. People from stem to stern, fifty to sixty percent of the people on this planet are the worst. So you're going to get a couple of them. You're going to get a couple of them. Yeah. I don't really have a beef, but I wouldn't mind if people would stop. Would, I would not mind if people would stop sending me fucking pineapple pizza pictures. I, that wouldn't be, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't mind that. that I, I, we're not at beef level yet, but any meme that comes out, I mean, any meme that comes out about the goddamn pineapple pizza gets sent to me. As in, you guys think that you guys, you know, this is the first time I've seen it first time i've seen it i know i know there's the what's his face uh uh uh, pesci they got pesci they're holding him down and then they're pretending to stuff him in a a piece of pineapple pizza I, i i you if you've sent this to me you're not the first and the banana pizza people are sending me the goddamn banana pizza i got it i got it i appreciate that you have personal tastes, and you seem to think that i you guys seem to think that I lose my mind on a, on a daily basis. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I save it for the podcast because why would, I, why would I do it for free? I'm trying to be entertaining. So do I give a fuck if you eat pineapple pizza? Certainly not. Go assault your taste buds on your own time and enjoy it. But if you think that I care by myself when I'm in my DMs and there's a pineapple pizza, you're sorely mistaken. Enjoy keep it away from me just because it's not not keep it away from me because I'm like oh pineapple pizza it's like you're not the first everyone's sending me the same shit you guys are sending me it's enough
1: what's of food what's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week go
2: I will <laughs> tell you I made a drink last night. I was uh, I was uh, I, my daughter had a uh, pa- her first party that she threw for her friends Six, she's on you know all these, like, teenagers and she got it ready. She got me the stuff I wanted to make, and I was. She I she, I told her I'd just stay out of it and I'd let her do her thing. I just I'll just. She wanted this bullshit freezer food that I reheated, and um, I made a drink that is my favorite non-alcoholic bev of all time. And I'm going to tell you what it is. You get a uh, you get some grape crystal light with some lime flavored Perrier and a splash of. Uh, margarita mix and you put it in a quart container with ice old school like the line cooks that is a fucking good drink right there the fucking good <laughs> drink man so you get the got the concord grape you got the the blind perrier and you got the margarita mix here you go it was delicious
1: marekko best thing in your mouth this week
3: um my wife actually made chicken uh was it tikka masala last uh, a couple nights ago. That was pretty tasty. So. Wow.
2: I, I do have to do an amendment once you're done, Craig. I, I forgot to mention something.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, what to mention?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I got stroked over at Finn & Brew. Chef Mike Anastasio sent out uh, like a 15-course tasting menu to my family and I, and it was incredible. It was incredible. He's just one of the best chefs in Westchester. Just awesome. I mean, it was incredible. Everything was great. Uh, it was just I saw that lineup. Delightful. Oh, my God. He just, like, blew our doors off. One thing he did, he does a lot of vegetable-forward things. He did this uh, cr- uh, cream corn brulee that was awesome. He did a, mm. uh octopus tempura, which was incredible. And then he did this... Grilled peach with ricotta cheese thing that was just awesome. He's just an awesome chef, Sounds but that was definitely the the best thing I had. Better than wow. my bev, which I liked last night. All
1: right. <laughs> That's a show. Well, That's what did you sh-
3: have? Yeah, what about you, Craig?
1: Oh, um, last night. So we had a, a date night, my wife and I, and we well. We had the babies with us, uh, but we went to the local lake and there's a restaurant overlooking the lake there. And um, I always finish um, any meal that I have there with the, with their cafe gourmand, which is uh, it's just an espresso coffee, which is my second of the day. I have to admit, um, but they, the, the gourmand basically means all of the desserts in one. So rather than pick a dessert, they like make miniature versions of all their desserts on a little tray um, with, with, a, with an espresso. And it was incredible. So there was five little yeah. desserts last night. And I'm, I, can't, I can't even think what they were. One was like one was like a lemon meringue. And one was like a, um, like a cheesecake. It was just incredible. So, yeah. I'm not normally a dessert kind of person. But the these miniature desserts are incredible. Because you just get all the taste without, you know, this big bowl of stodge in front of you. It was lovely. Nice. Awesome. There we geez. go. That's that's a new bit. You know, we need a um, a jingle for this bit. Um, and I've just found a video of Nigella Lawson making all these crazy, sexy noises while she's eating. I need to cut that oh, up. Jesus. I think <laughs> that's a show. Episode 80. We're done with it. So thank bam, you. Bam, bam. thank you for listening. Bye bye.